Hello, listeners of A Year Ago Today. I'm your host, Tyla Fowler, and I'm thrilled that you're here. Thanks for being here. I am so excited to share this week's episode with you. It's an interview with my most treasured friend and colleague, Francie Webb. As you're going to hear us talking about in the interview, Francie and I have worked together extensively, both in a coaching capacity and on the development and editing of her book, which is titled Go Milk Yourself, You Have Power, Express It. In addition to being my friend and the author of this incredible book, Francie is the founder of The Milk and Mama, a business through which she empowers humans everywhere by sharing her knowledge around the hand expression of breast milk. Most importantly, in my opinion, she teaches how the process of tapping into one's own enoughness can revolutionize not only our lives individually, but also the lives of everyone we know, because empowerment is contagious. (laughs) Thank God for that. So Francie's book is available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle formats, and I really, really, really encourage you to get a copy if you resonate with Francie's voice or with my voice, because the really fun thing about writing this book with Francie and working so intimately with her on it is that there are parts where she and I read it back and we'll be like, were those your words or were those my words? We don't even know. We've had this incredible experience of our creative fields intermingling in a way where I think as happens inside the best of friendships you kind of stop knowing like where you end and the other person begins and that is just such an incredibly unique experience and anyone who's familiar with my voice or with Francie's voice will probably be able to pick that up in her book and see how we have kind of used one another's presence to amplify this core message around empowerment and enoughness that was wanting to be brought into the world through Francie and her unique expression. I want to share with you guys that in re-listening to this podcast episode, there were a few major themes that really emerged for me. And while I'm sure that you will pick up on some of these themes as you listen through, it also feels good to share them here with you at the outset so that I can kind of flag your attention around what to listen for that will support you in applying this conversation to the context of your life, regardless of whether or not you can relate to the immediate context of this story that Francie and I are discussing when we talk about the anniversary that we are celebrating. So... Oh, there are some themes. I have them written down in bullet points because I am that prepared today. So theme number one is how doing something we once believed was impossible can radically shift our entire life experience and totally reframe who we believe ourselves to be. Francie has a whole section on this in her book called Doing the Impossible Thing. And again, if that theme feels really alive for you, I would really encourage and invite you to pick up a copy of the book and deepen into that. Another thing that Francie and I dive into here in this conversation is the truth around the experience of creation, that when we create something in the world, we are always doing it with the support of the universe or spirit or God or whatever language resonates with you, and that inside this process of creation, regardless of what's being created through us, we are merely the channel. So we talk a lot about that experience of knowing that something is totally unique to us as we bring it into the world and also knowing that in a sense what we're channeling is coming from something bigger than us and that in a way we are merely the humble vessel that has the opportunity to bring that thing through and to ground that that unique expression of source energy into the world. Another thing we talk about is the experience of coming into alignment with what's wanting to be birthed through us and how often the way this ultimately occurs is only through total surrender. And not only that, but usually it's total surrender inside the moments that feel the scariest and the biggest and the most impossible. So we talk a lot about surrender in this episode and how surrender really does apply to the creative process, regardless of you're creating a human life or something else in the world. And finally, we take a look at how past trauma is really a precious gift that gives us a reservoir of experience to draw on for strength in the present moment and inside our present challenges. 
In this interview, Francie speaks very briefly about a past trauma in her life that she goes into more detail around in the book. And I'll go ahead and tell you here that this is the death of an infant that she was caring for in her role as a teenage babysitter. If you want to hear more around this particular trauma and how this trauma contributed to Francie's <laughs> entire life path, I invite you to, again, one, buy her book, and two, I've linked an additional podcast interview with her in the show notes, and in that interview, Francie speaks much more in depth about her experience of trauma and how that experience of trauma has shaped her life in the time since that traumatic experience occurred. Whew, okay. <laughs> That's my whole intro, guys. Uh, the only other thing I'll say is that it would really, really mean a lot to me to hear about your experience listening to this episode. You can email me at a year ago podcast at gmail.com. It would also mean a lot to me if you would either share this podcast with somebody you love or rate and review us on iTunes. Rate and review me on iTunes. <laughs> I would really deeply appreciate some reviews. And, and it really helps. So it only takes a couple minutes. And you'll really be doing me a favor if you take the time to do that. Between now and our next interview, feel free to follow us at A Year Ago Podcast on all the social media. Really heating up those social media channels, you guys. Really starting to take this seriously. And I would love, love to engage with you in that space. So, all right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Welcome, Francie. Hi. <laughs> Everybody, I am talking today to one of my favorite people on earth. Her name is Francie Webb, and she also is known as the Milk and Mama. It's true, and you're one of my favorite people as well. Ah, oh my goodness. I'm already having the best time. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy. All you have to do is compliment me, and I immediately start having fun. <laughs> So a little tip for anybody out there Love in the world. Uh, okay, so by the time this episode comes out, I will have done a full little like intro about who you are and what you do before we get to this portion of the podcast. I'm wondering if there's anything that you would like people to know about you before we begin that is not something that's already part of your bio. Yeah. Ha. I love to write. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to mind. When I was um, 11, my parents' neighbor gave me a journal for my birthday because my mom invited him over for my birthday dinner, and I started writing in that journal, and I have been writing in journals now for over 25 years. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. That's such a good practice. Yes. I am not so diligent with the journal writing. And it's because I also like to write, but I'm a little bit afraid of it. Yeah, I know that feeling as well. <laughs> I'm sure that that will come up in this conversation. <sighs> so, this is a little different today because we are talking about an anniversary that is not a one year ago today. No. It is three years ago today <sighs> and plus a couple days because that's how life goes. Yeah. Um, and before we dive into how you were feeling, I'll just share, because I haven't told you, Francie, or I think anybody else yet, that one of the reasons I'm having you on is because I was starting to find the um, parameters of just one year ago today to be a little bit limiting. Mm. Because as we know, these like anniversaries are kind of portals that allow us to access the energy that we were going through, whether it was like a year ago today or three years ago today or 15 years ago today, the energy can still be just as potent and just as alive as it is on the one year anniversary. So it feels really good to me to expand the horizon 
Yes. So thank you for being part of that. <laughs> Yay. I'm I'm grateful to be here. And one of the things about these anniversaries and their potency is that we can never believe it's been so long since mm. that thing happened. And, you know, I feel like because I work with people who have recently had children, I think the concept of time flying comes up a lot. And I hear people say all the time, it seems like just yesterday and also many years ago at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true for a lot of transformative experiences in our lives, that they feel like they just happened. And because we cannot imagine ourselves without them, they feel like forever ago. Francie, what are you doing over there? Why? You're moving around. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I can hear you. I can hear your little rustlings. I'm wondering oh. what you're. The only thing I'm doing is cleaning my phone case, but I am actually <laughs> I'm seated much more still than I ever am. Okay. Well, I'm gonna ask you to put your phone case down and yes, put a hand on your heart. <laughs> Great. Be present with me. Not that you weren't before. Well, I wasn't able to text you because my phone was anyway. I don't need to text you right now anyway, do I? <laughs> no, no. <sighs> All right, so I'm going to invite you to put a hand on your heart and a hand on your womb space. And take a couple of deep breaths and really drop into three years ago and what was going on and <laughs> where you were. Everything you were feeling. And when you feel like you've really landed there, could you please share with me in one word how you were feeling? I think the best word to describe that experience is a noun and not an adjective. Mm, interesting. And it is anticipation. Mm. Um, because... Well, let me just stop there. It's anticipation. Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> and now, because I didn't tell everybody going into this, will you let everybody know what we're talking about? What was going on three years ago today? I was having a baby about 20 feet from where I am right now in, <laughs> in my home. And... I expected to have my baby in my home and hoped to have my baby in my home. And yet it happened in a way I never could have imagined and still cannot believe. Because my baby came extraordinarily fast. And she came so fast that my entire team of amazing humans whom I had picked to join me did not make it in time. Mm. And so my baby was born on my bed with my husband taking a picture six minutes after my water broke and less than an hour after I realized I was in labor while my older daughter slept in the adjoining bedroom. And there's a very thin wall between these two rooms, but she slept through the whole thing. And my cat certainly hid in a closet because what was going on? <laughs> yeah, I would have been, I feel like if I were a cat, I would have been hiding in a closet <laughs> too. I've been like, yeah, that's this energy like... <laughs> is too much. Yeah, that's like way more traumatic than somebody coming into the apartment for a visit. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting because... I mean, I haven't, I'll tell everybody, I know Francie's story fairly well. Yes. Because she's written a beautiful book that I had the honor and the pleasure of supporting her in developing and editing. However, I'm not sure, for some reason, it's not until this moment that it really landed with me that your first daughter was asleep in the next room. Were you making noise? Like, I have always imagined you making noise during this whole process, but now I'm like, were you just being quiet? How was it? I don't know. 
I really don't know. <laughs> That's funny. I don't know. How could you not know? Because I don't. I mean, when we're in spontaneous labor, we are in our primal brains. And so all of the all of the filters that may or may not exist in our normal interactions with people are basically out the window. Um, wow. I was talking to tell my husband certain things that I needed, like for him to call the doula and for him to call the midwife, um, for him to get the camera. But I don't, I, I really would love to ask him that question when he comes home tonight. I don't know that I was making noise other than that. Mm -hmm. I was in, I was definitely in shock. I was astonished. It was happening so fast and it was so strong. One of the things that people don't know about what is called a precipitous birth, which is what we're describing here, is that your birth happens so quickly like it's basically zero to baby in a short period of time, but it also includes all of the same physiologic steps that a longer labor would have. Mm -hmm. And so if you take labor, which can be a, you know, truly a, a challenging process like no other, and you compress it, then the feelings that you have are going to be compressed as well. And thus the intensity just skyrockets. And so I don't, I think that I was, Louder in my first labor, which was mm -hmm. l longer by a number of hours. Um, but no, I, I think the noise that I made was just giving him orders. And then when I pushed her out, I went like this. <laughs> which is basically a fluttering of the lips, also called horse lips. You might do it in yoga sometimes. And it opens the sphincters which always makes me think of, I never remember if it's Wayne's World or Bill and Ted. I think it's Wayne's World where they talk about <laughs> sphincters. But when you open, you know, one of the things that I had read in preparing for my first birth was that if you want to open the lower sphincters, which you do when you're birthing a human, it helps to, to open other sphincters and the mouth is one of them. And so when you flutter your lips, it naturally opens that sphincter and then others will also open. And so I knew that I could push her out by fluttering my lips, but I did it really hard. Like my mm. life depended on it and so did hers. Um, but I don't know that I was making a lot of noise. And also our children, <laughs> to this day actually, all four human members of our family sleep with uh, pretty loud sleep sounds. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, what I'm, as you're describing that horse lip moment, I'm also thinking about the part of your story that I know that's right before that, where you were talking to the baby and asking the baby to let you know that she was okay. And I would love for you to share a little bit around that if you feel open to it. Yep. I understood 100% that this baby was coming before anyone else got there. And I'm not sure if my husband did at the time. Mm -hmm. And that's typical of someone who's in labor. And I'm a doula now, so I support people through their prenatal period, throughout their labor and birth, and afterward. And one of the many things that I've learned in my training is that often the person outside of the birthing person's body doesn't one doesn't understand what's happening and two often doesn't believe that person at first yeah. which makes sense because labor is crazy and so <laughs> I mean it's kind of like when I was pregnant and I told my husband that even the smell of chicken made me nauseated and he thought I was exaggerating and I said if you cook chicken in our kitchen tonight I will throw up <laughs> and I locked myself in our bedroom while he was cooking the chicken and I had to come out to the bathroom to pee and I came out and started heaving as soon as I smelled the chicken cooking. You're like, and now he, do you believe me? <laughs> exactly. He was like, whoa, I really thought that you were exaggerating. Um, so I knew that this baby was coming out with no one else, with, with no one who was technically qualified or trained to help deliver a baby there. Mm, and, which is something that we are so conditioned to believe that we really, 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 really need 
<laughs> to, right, you that know? you can't do it without a doctor, a midwife, nurse, doula, all the people. And in particular, we we believe all the people who are at the hospital are the ones who are necessary. Mm-hmm. And we choose our teams depending on what our desires are. And so the team that I had chosen were meant to come to my home rather than the hospital. I was at the hospital for my first birth. And uh, I expected them to be there. And that was my dream was to have a red tent birth. There's a wonderful book called The Red Tent. And I wanted everyone to, who I loved and had chosen to be there and surrounding me. And so I knew that this baby was coming now. And I knew that the midwife wasn't going to be there. Or anyone besides us and so and there was no keeping her inside and so I knew that I had to have some faith I needed to push my baby out and I needed to assess if she was okay and then be prepared to you know make some phone calls and seek help immediately if there was anything that we needed um, and so in the moment Before I pushed her out, I said in my head, like a prayer, I need you to be okay, and I need you to let me know you're okay. And then I pushed her out. I did that twice. And I reached back to receive her, and I brought her up in front of me, much like Simba in the Lion King. I've been called Lion King Mama by a number of people. <laughs> That's the best thing ever. That's <laughs> and uh, as soon as she was out, I mean, you couldn't even measure the time in, in, in any way. It was a nanosecond that I was assessing her. I pushed her out. I looked at her. I saw that she was okay. And I anticipated in that moment that she would cry and she did, which was her letting me know she was okay. And then my practical mind took over just enough to say, Francie, someone needs to know what time this baby is born. And I looked at the clock and I saw the time that she was born, which was 5.58. And then I done the thing. (laughs) And then I'm like you know, on my knees on the bed holding a baby, like, well, now what do I do? Like, that was the part that kind of, that really stumped me. (laughs) Yeah, now I did the hard part. Yeah. I I can't believe it's been three years. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense. And Well, and your life has transformed so much in those last three years. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. All of it. Every piece. It's a new life. And, you know, many anniversaries in our lives we would never want to do over again. And that one I would do over and over again. Mm-hmm. May I read a paragraph from your book? Please. <laughs> You're like, of course, please do. This will be the first time someone's reading to me from my own book. <laughs> well, that's because I feel like it's mine, you know? <laughs> it is. It's our baby, in fact. It's our baby. It's interesting because I just read... Before we got on the line, I opened it up and I read the inscription in the front and I was like, oh, this is so beautiful because it's written to me, but you could have also just as easily written it to yourself or Mm. written it about this experience. Mm. Actually, you know what? Maybe I'll read that. Great. Is that okay? Is that too intimate? Great. Go for it, girl. We did it. I'm so thrilled and proud and pumped and full of emotions to present our baby to you. What a journey this has been and is and evermore shall be. All the things that I am now, yet wasn't before or didn't understand that I was before, I am now. I stand under myself instead of fear and so many other things. It's so wild to be on this side of it, and suddenly it feels quite full of ease. What if more things, all things, everything could be that way? Oh, wait. Emojis. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the part, Francie, that as I was reading it, I imagined 
you saying it to yourself instead of to me. Mm. I am grateful to you every second of every day for the teacher you now are to me. You have shined, shone a light into the depths of my heart. The space is full of cobwebs and the ones already filled with light and to help me see. I see and know and love and understand myself more clearly than ever and more vehemently too. I love myself and you with fervor. I am forever changed by your presence, full of curiosity and excitement about all the places we shall go from here. That's that's all I want to read. The rest is just for me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I feel I'm hearing those words for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and you wrote them. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Yep. The paragraph I was originally going to read, I'll go ahead and read now. My second daughter's birth was astonishing. It was the single most transformative experience of my life, meaning I can look at my life very much in a before and an after. Ooh. <laughs> nice little sound effect. I didn't know that I could do something so impossible, birthing my baby by myself. I didn't believe it, and yet I'd done it. So then I did believe it because it happened. Mm. Yep. Isn't that when we start believing some things after they happen? <laughs> it seems that way. Yeah, and not uh, until then. It's so beautiful. The The energy that's so present for me, you know, in both of those things is this feeling of having birthed something into the world totally on your own and also knowing that you could not possibly have done it without the help of a team. You know, it's like... Yes, I supported you bringing this book into the world, but ultimately, like, you birthed this book. And the same thing with, with the baby. You know, you talk about even though the fact that your team wasn't able to be physically present, that you felt them there with you. And I'm so deeply interested in this paradox around not necessarily needing someone's physical presence with you mm. in order to feel their support. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's so funny because when you said that sentence, um, I'll just give you a visual. I need to take off my glasses right now because that is how deep this conversation is becoming for me. <laughs> Frenzy, I took my glasses off before we started talking. <laughs> Good for you. Um, that That's one thing I'll do to prepare next time. So you said there. Couldn't something along the lines of there's no way I could have done it. And then the rest of the sentence is without the help of my team. What if we just ended that sentence with there's no way I could have done it? Because that's, that's just something that's so interesting to me is that there's no way I could have done it. Mm. And yet I did. And so what's the difference? What makes up the difference between I could not have done this thing and I did? It is exactly that piece that's missing from the sentence, which which is without the help of my team. Well, can I tell you what's present for me? Please. When you truncate the sentence like that, there's no way I could have done it. That opened up a whole new energy for me that's like, well, because I didn't do it. It was like mm. it was the universe working through me. It was God working through me. Mm. You know, like, Francie, you wrote this book, yes. <laughs> and at the same time, you're a channel. Same thing with birthing a child, right? Absolutely. It's not about you. Right. And so we are such an amalgam of our cosmic and mm. earthly teams mm. in some way. I love that. <laughs> that's who we are and that's how we are. I believe. Mm -hmm. mm. I mean, there's a larger 
life story in my birthing of my baby girl by myself, which you already know, and some of our listeners probably do, but many don't, which absolutely proves, if we need proof, that what's happened here is much larger than us Mm -hmm. and a work of God, a work of spirit, a work of the universe a work of a cosmic energy that is more than we can even fathom and yet live in every day. And that's the story of me as a teenage babysitter putting a baby girl to sleep and her dying after I put her down to sleep of sudden infant death syndrome. Zero known cause. Nothing that was my fault. Definitely thought it was. And yet, you know, when when you were talking earlier about the concept of a number of years ago today versus one year ago today, like forevermore on that day of the year, I think about what happened when Catherine died. And that's not an experience I would ever want to go back and live again. And if Catherine hadn't died and I had not worked through this experience of healing around her death, her sudden loss, this tiny little baby whom I just met, there's no way that I could have, with the help of these big teams, birthed a baby, my own baby girl by myself from my own body. There's no way. Well, and I mean the... I'm like that you... I'm like, even to become a mother the first time. Oh, for sure. After that kind of trauma. Yeah. In your young life. Yeah. Oh. I was, well, it was very scary for me. Because mm-hmm. what if, like, what if my baby died? It's, that's, it's as simple as that. What if my baby died? What, what would that mean? What would it say about me? Would it confirm a belief I had about myself? Mm-hmm. Would it make it true that Catherine's death was my fault? Would it prove to myself and others that I was not enough and never will be? And, you know, when my second daughter was born in this astonishing, I've recently realized, like, people have terms for their babies or their births based on things they did or didn't plan. So for example, people might say I had an unassisted birth, which means I had a birth without a medical provider or other people there helping me deliver my baby. And some will say like I had a home birth or this is my home birth baby, or I had a hospital birth. Um, I had an, a planned home birth versus an unplanned home birth, etc. And what I realized is I didn't know the term unassisted. Like when my midwife came later, about she arrived maybe half an hour later, we were talking about it that day. And then when she came to check on me a few days later, and I first learned the phrase unassisted birth. And she said, you know, unassisted births really only happen to the people who can handle them. <laughs> She's like, there's almost something that's meant to be in most of the stories around people who have delivered their own babies unexpectedly. And so the term there is unassisted birth. And what I realized is I can call my, and then people will say, oh, you had an unassisted birth. And they assume that I was on my way to the hospital and didn't make it or something. And what I realized is the long phrase is, she is my, <laughs> let's see, she is my uh, unassisted planned home birth baby. <laughs> I know even more than that she is my accidentally unassisted because you can decide to give birth unassisted you can plan for that she's my accidentally unassisted planned home birth baby <laughs> which basically means things did not go the way I expected at all and we could truly say that about any birth in our lives well we could say that about anything in our lives I feel like indeed I'm imagining you moving through this experience you know and 
it's like, how did I do this impossible thing? Then we've come to the conclusion, like, it wasn't me, it was God, (laughs) but it still was you. And it's like the only thing that can carry you through an experience like that is total surrender. So we are, as usual, on the same wavelength. I am looking right now at the spot on my living room wall where I intended to have a sign that said surrender. I have a very dear friend who is an artist, and I was at home waiting for baby. This is a big period of anticipation. I started having contractions while teaching my sixth graders two weeks before my child's birth happened. Uh. and uh, thought the baby may be coming imminently, but wasn't sure because the same thing happened with my first where I had contractions off and on for two weeks before the baby came. And so I took myself home, and I basically burrowed, and I stayed right here at home most of every day for those two weeks. And my friend Victoria, the artist, had planned to come visit me on that Monday. And... uh, I said to her, I'd like for you to make me a sign for my wall that has my only mantra for this birth, which is surrender. The only thing that I need to do and remember to birth my baby is surrender. And so I'm in my living room trying to get comfortable as these contractions are coming through me. It's impossible. I tried to sit on the ball. I tried to move my (laughs) hips around. It was like all the things I knew how to do were not helping. I was up on my tiptoes, just like tiptoeing around the living room because there was no way to get comfortable. So I just like, well, I guess I just have to keep moving. And there's something really interesting about the tiptoe concept. Like maybe if I just get a little bit higher, maybe if I'm barely Mm. touching the ground, it might provide a little bit of relief. (laughs) Yeah, it's like trying to um, trying to undo gravity. <laughs> exactly, which of course gravity is exactly what I needed. <laughs> but so I looked up at the spot in, on my living room wall, which I'm looking at right now, where I intended to post her sign that said surrender. And then I gave it a really good look, and then I started walking towards my bedroom. And I remembered the only thing you need to do is surrender. So yes, that is a true universal lesson. And I guess it's what I did. (laughs) And also sometimes we're extra good at surrendering when we feel we have no other options. (laughs) Right. I feel like that's, most of us come to surrender in that, in that moment. We're like, well, this is the only choice left. This is it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And yet if we already have it on our radar to surrender, it's so much easier to let any other noise that could be around us fall away so that we really can. Mm. This is not a process that I can control. There's nothing I need to do right now. Just just go inside, I told myself. Just go inside and surrender. And that's one of the reasons that I... You know, sometimes people think they were quiet in their labor and their partner later says, oh, no, you were screaming. Or I have one friend who thought she was extremely loud through her whole labor, and it turns out she barely said anything any at any point, <laughs> which is fascinating. Um, yeah. But one of the reasons that I do feel I was quiet for most of my labor was that I went inside. And it's like meditation. I mean, you and I have been having a conversation recently about how I – have been wanting headphones, but I'm resistant to buying headphones for various reasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I finally got headphones, and they're big, honking, like they're like earmuffs, and they're not like Beats or anything beautiful like that. They are, you know, Amazon something or other brand. And uh, I put them on yesterday, and I said to my husband, "I'm going to do a quick guided meditation." And doing the guided meditation with my headphones on, I felt like I just went inside. Like there was, Uh I just, it was so awesome. It's like being in a a tunnel of sorts and you don't notice or even know of anything around you. And in both of my labors, when it was time to push my baby out, I felt a distinct sense of being by myself in a tunnel. It was just me and baby. And so... That feeling of going inside, I'm very grateful to my new headphones for providing that. (laughs) 
particularly when there are children running around in other rooms of our small apartment while I'm attempting a meditation. Um, but in general, if we block out the noise around us and have cleared a lot of the noise inside our own heads and our own bodies, then we can go inside and learn something new and do something we've never done with ourselves. And we are our most powerful partner in anything that we do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that point, my husband is like a, he's like an assistant, but it's also like, am I annoyed with him right now? Is he an annoyance? <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that somebody else is here because I'm barking orders at him, but I'm also feeling like he doesn't know what is happening and I do not have the words to tell him what is happening because I'm just inside. Yeah. And it's like that instinct takes over. Yes. And the only thing that I needed from him, well, besides cleaning up poop, I made him clean up poop as it came out. (laughs) (laughs) He was, uh, he was spraying. He was, he got cleaning spray and paper towels. And he was spraying my feet. And I'm like, you're getting it all over my feet. And he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then he's gagging. And I later asked him, why are you, why were you gagging? And he's like, baby, I had your own shit in my hands. Like, <laughs> that's why I was gagging. And I was like, okay, fair point. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, I, besides like telling him a couple, besides telling him to like clean up the poop, because it was very important for me to have a picture of this baby when she first came out, because that was one thing I wish that I'd had of my first daughter was a a lasting visual that would never go away, which maybe it's somewhere in my head and I can conjure it up. But of my first view of her, my first sight of her, Mm. I felt like that image in my head kind of faded away over her first months of life. And I was, I felt sad that I couldn't just relive it and see her again in that moment. And so the cleaning of the poop had to do with a picture was about to be taken. <laughs> like, we got to get this out of the frame. <laughs> um, but besides that, I needed him to tell my team that I was doing it without them. Mm-hmm. When really I wasn't, but I was, but I wasn't. Because I, I, for example, I told him, call the midwife and tell her my water broke. And my midwife later said, as soon as your water broke, I knew I was missing your birth. Because Uh. it was your second baby and that's just how these things happen. And incidentally, the... Almost the exact same thing had happened to her when she birthed her second daughter. Crazy but true. She had a shockingly fast, precipitous birth with just her husband there and other people on the way. And so um, I told him to call her, I guess because that's what we were supposed to do. I mean, of course I was going to call my midwife. Like, she's supposed to be there. I need her to know what's happening and also need her to know to be on alert in case we need anything else or, you know. Well, I also feel like, did you have any idea how fast things were about to happen? By the time I was pushing, I did. But before, I definitely did not. Like, my baby was born at 5.58, and I called my midwife at 5.04, and I said, things are starting, and I think what I'm feeling are contractions now. I didn't think that they were because it just felt like constant pain, and I expected the contractions to have, like, an arc with a break Mm -hmm. in between. And I realized I had looked at the clock twice, when the pain was at its worst and at the second time I processed that it was about it was somewhere between five and six minutes since the last time I looked at the clock and so I was like oh my gosh I think these are contractions because you just looked at the clock at two different times when your pain was bad and they're about five or six minutes apart which is about when you're starting to really be in active labor potentially And so I called her, and apparently, I didn't know this, but apparently my midwife is known for, like, hovering nearby. Mm. But she will not come in until you invite her in. Like, it is very clear that you are the one who decides that it is time for you to have her with you. And so someone told me at one point that, um, oh, yeah, Kristen, she'll go hang out in the coffee shop below the apartment where the person is laboring 
And then when they call her, she's there pretty quickly <laughs> because she's been right, right there. Or someone told me she found out later that she'd been sitting outside her apartment door. Um, and that's like, and that's a really, I think, beautiful concept that happens with a lot of midwives is this idea of I'm being invited into this sacred space, this vulnerable, vulnerable space. That's a word that, you know, from my book, my book and my work. Um, and that's one of my favorite words, vulnerable bravery. It's a great word. And so, you know, I don't. I knew that she was getting ready. She said, okay, I'll start getting ready. I'm not sure that I knew that she was driving to me yet. I'm pretty sure I knew that. But I just knew, you know, she basically just says, call me if anything changes. And so I told my husband to call her when my water broke. Things felt like they were crazy as soon as my water broke, like an unbelievable pressure. And so I needed the midwife to know so she could be, you know, in my apartment ASAP and also tell us if there was anything we were supposed to do. And, but at that point, did I know my baby was going to come out six minutes later? No, but pretty quickly I did. Um, I'm and, just like almost tempted to like set a timer for six minutes and sit and feel oh, how long that is. Oh, I want to do that too. <laughs> I want to do that too. Well, right now my clock says one o'clock, so I'm going to look at it at one o six. Okay. Um, okay. So, I. So for reference, like it would be like Francie's water just broke. Yeah. And we'll tell you when yeah. it's been six minutes. Yeah, when the baby came, it'll probably be in like seventeen sentences or something. <laughs> it'll go by fast. We know that. Um. But so, I you know, did I know that it was happening immediately? I knew it was happening quickly. But the thing is, when your water breaks, baby isn't necessarily about to come out. Right. And so, I mean, in the movies, your water breaks, you know, it's like Charlotte in the Sex and the City movie is standing on the corner, <laughs> and she sees yeah. big, and she's... And she's, like, yelling at him. And then her water breaks. You know, it's this very dramatic moment, and uh, most of the people I have been a doula for, I've attended 27 births that are not my own since this amazing incident <laughs> three years ago today, and... Um, I'm just going to wait for that lovely... For the siren. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, New York. <laughs> I know. I'm like, is someone in labor and expecting to go to a hospital right now? Um, so, I didn't... So, but most people I have worked with, their water doesn't break until someone breaks it later in the hospital. Or they break their water later by moving around or, you know, strong contractions throughout the process. But... Most people I know don't start their labor or have water breaking early in the process. And so I still think, like, things are intense, but I still feel like, whoa, this is happening fast, but I don't feel I don't feel like baby's about to come out. And then my water breaks, and I, the thing, the reason I know the baby's coming out, the point is, I felt for the baby's head. I thought to myself, so he calls the midwife and tells her that my water's broken. Then there's poop coming, and I'm telling him to clean it up. And then I'm like, wait a second. If this baby is indeed barreling her way out of my body, which it feels like she is, I need to know where the cord is. Because it is not good to push against a cord. If the cord drops between the baby's head and the dilated cervix and vaginal opening, then... There, it's it can be a dangerous situation. It can be a true emergency. And so I wanted to make sure that the cord was not in the way. And so I reached in to make sure there was no cord in the way, but I couldn't tell that there was or that there wasn't. Instead, I felt a wrinkle. So it was pliable and it felt linear and squishy. And I thought, I hope that's not the cord because I hope not. But there was nothing I could do to stop the baby from coming out. When people talk about pushing their baby, there are lots of different ways that people push their babies out. And one of the more rare ways in this country in vaginal birth is that you push on your own following your body's reflexes. Mm-hmm. So people will say, uh, and then it was just like my body pushed the baby out, which is like, guess what? That means you push your baby out. But it's very, <laughs> right. you know, it's different than like bearing down. 
versus like putting your feet up on the squatty potty and the the poop slides out. You know? <laughs> They're different experiences. And so it definitely felt like this is true physiologic pushing where the contraction is coming and the baby is pushing out. And I am I am creating the space for her to do that. And so I reach in and I feel this squishy thing and I hope it's not the cord. And I tell my husband, call the doula and tell her I can feel the baby's head because I wanted her to know that I didn't mean to do it without her. (laughs) It's so incredible that like even in the middle of this experience that you're like, there's this element of wanting to do it right. Yes, wanting to do it right and and not wanting to disappoint her. Oh, God. (laughs) And us and our relationship. And, you know, it's also, I always say I'm a woman of my word. I I told her after my first was born, I'm never having a baby without you. (laughs) Wow. Oh, this is bringing so many tears to my eyes. I, I, I feel a sense of grief right now. Yeah. That I don't remember really touching before because I wish for my team to be there. And I expected that and I anticipated it and it was very important to me. And, you know, on the other side of things, for the last three years, I have been screaming from the mountaintops how unbelievably thrilled I am that it happened this way. And I am. And also, you know, there there's a sense of loss around what I felt I'd built and could not come to fruition. And it has been exactly six minutes right now. Ah, oh, that's so funny. So I just of... felt this huge wave of emotion come over me <laughs> right before you said it had been six minutes. So, yeah, that grief is really potent. Yeah. And it's so like, it's so unique to this situation that you're so generously sharing right now. And it's also so universal. I think about all the things that I've perceived myself as like going through alone and all the times that it's been like, I wish you could have been there to someone else yeah. who who had invested in me and in my experience, you know? Yes. Yes. And as we get better over time at creating visions for our lives and experiences in our lives, we also tend to get better at becoming more flexible and understanding that things rarely go according to plan. Mm -hmm. And yet I had a very distinct visual of being surrounded by women I love. Mm -hmm. And I wanted her to know that I was doing it without her so that I at least told her before I did it. (laughs) Right, right. So you could go ahead and move forward on your own with integrity. Right? I gotta push this baby out with total integrity. I don't want my doula to be mad at me. Yeah. But of course, it's like the only thing she's doing is cheering you on. I know. know. Well, it's not like she was gonna be like, you could have told me. Yeah, or like, you couldn't, like, like, also, couldn't you have waited till I got there? I know. I know. Or I, I can't believe you did it without me. Oh, and she had complex feelings about missing my birth, too. Mm-hmm. She told me she wasn't sure if it would count or should count as one of her births. Because one of the ways that doulas um, market themselves and um, discuss their work with clients and value themselves is the number of births they have attended. Mm. And so she was like, I don't know if this if this counts as my 87th birth or not. And I was like, Carla, yeah. I said, it, it counts. You have to count it. That's what I told yeah, her. Yeah, I was to say, it has to count. <laughs> well, that's such an interesting concept, too, because that's like how much, like how many times in our lives do we invest super, super heavily in something or someone and then we are not, we are the ones who are not there when the thing comes to fruition or the thing happens, you know, yep. Yep. thinking about like energetic investment in someone. And it's like, does that, if you're not there when that person suppose like pers- 
when you perceive that person is like crossing whatever finish line you guys have set up together. Yep. Does it still count? Of course it does. Of course. Yeah. And these experiences in our lives that we're remembering however many years ago today, they count. And so, of course, it could be triggering if someone said that your experience didn't count in any way, shape, or form, right? Or, you know, but also I was like, Carla, you were on the phone with my husband, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so it's funny because when he called her, I said, I need you to call the doula. And I was saying, call the midwife, call the doula. I wasn't saying their names. Mm Mm-hmm. It was very much like I'm going down the list of instructions in my head of what we're supposed to check off before baby can come. And uh, Carla is telling my husband what to do because she told me later that the cab driver, she was in a cab, the cab driver was like freaking out in a panic because he heard her giving instructions about how to help deliver a baby. And, um, you know, he's perceiving this as an emergency, which, by the way, it was not an emergency. (laughs) Um, And so Carla is giving my husband instructions. And so he's on the phone for longer than I would like. And I'm thinking, why the fuck are you on the phone? (laughs) And the reason he's on the the phone. phone. And the reason he's on the phone, which probably was no more than I could actually probably go back at the call log because I took screenshots of all my calls that morning as part of my like <laughs> my memories of that day. That's so I, funny. I look back at the birth photos, I can see who I called and when. And uh, when he's when he took so long, it was because she was telling him, "Here's what to do when the baby comes out." And right that moment, whether I know, I don't know that she's been given those instructions, but I'm like, there's only one thing I need anybody's help with right now. And that's come take the picture. You're supposed to take a picture. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know. And he came and he took amazing pictures. Um, that I'm ever so grateful for. And so, you know, he, I yell at him and this is probably when he hangs up the phone in this voice. I think of, <laughs> he's like, I gotta go by. <laughs> She's I, screaming at me from the other room. And I think of my voice in this moment as like a bear, like a, an mm. actual, if you could take a growl and put it into words, that's what this is, which is probably what many partners feel <laughs> is coming out of their, their significant other's uh, mouths when they are birthing. But I said, get camera. and he got it and then he came in and I you know I reached back and I made sure my hands were there to receive her head and I'm still fluttering my lips and I'm on my hands and knees and I reach back and I know Actually, I don't think I know this at the time. Babies do a spin when they're born vaginally. Mm -hmm. So if you take a picture, which my husband did, in the picture it looks like she's coming out facing my back. But then if you birth on your hands and knees, the baby comes out facing you. Mm. And it's because they spin when they come out naturally. And apparently this is a very important moment in our body's development is for us to be able to do what is called our birth spin. And I didn't know about this until we we were dealing afterward with some of the ramifications of her very fast birth um, because she had some tightness in her body related to it and we did some treatment related to that. And uh, so I'm reaching back to receive her and she's spinning, although I don't totally understand it, but I just know I need to bring the baby up in front of me, because that's what I did with my first in the hospital. I received her in front of me as well on my hands and knees. And then, you know, she's just in front of me, and my breath ends, and I see that she's okay, and she cries immediately and lets me know she's okay. Thank God, right this second. Thank you, God. My baby cried right away. I have attended a number of births now where the baby doesn't cry right away, and things are still healthy and okay, and In some cases, babies needed some attention in some way. But not all babies cry right away. 
Mm-hmm. And that moment between birth and cry can feel very scary. And Yeah, she, it's like you're waiting for their expression. Yep. I need to know that you're here. Mm-hmm. And she cried and I looked at the clock and then my husband leaves the room. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, where are you going? That is exactly <laughs> what I said. I shouted at him, where are you going? Thank God for sleep sounds next door. And he says, I have to let the photographer in. She's here. <laughs> And the photographer comes in, and I am essentially standing on my knees mm. at that point, holding a baby in front of me. There's a picture that she took when she first walked in that's very raw. The photos my husband took, they look, I look quite beautiful in them. <laughs> it's hard to believe. <laughs> like so, And someone was like, wow, that's not very messy. And I'm like, well, I made him clean the poop, you know? But, um, <laughs> the, but in the next picture that she takes, I'm very vulnerable, like my... It's may, there's maybe a bit of a blur to the picture and I, my body is like, it looks kind of like flabby and flaccid in some places. And I probably look like, what am I supposed to do now in that moment? But it's amazing that she then captured these moments because she walks in and her job is to take photos. The baby's already here. The baby's clearly okay. And so she looks at me, I look at her, and one of us says to the other, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) And the other repeats, what the fuck just happened? And then she just starts taking photos. And, yeah. It happened. I can't, I, how did that happen? Well, yeah, I'll tell you, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you how that happened. You held the space. That is true. No. You said something about the baby was coming out and you just had to create space for that to happen. Yeah. And let your body do what it knows how to do naturally. Ugh, God. So gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And and for me this experience has been very much the most connected experience of my life I was more in tune and in some cases more tactical than I've ever been in my life yeah and I also can perceive it as a somewhat of an out-of-body experience like I can picture it happen maybe the photos help with that (laughs) because you can make a little flip book of these four photos my husband took that shows her coming out and you know what's so funny a few hours after she was born I thought oh damn we should have gotten video (laughs) And my husband was, to this day, is like, I, you know, I should have done this better when I took that picture. The lighting was off. It's too centered. It's like not good photography. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's so funny. I mean, it's so interesting. These things that come up, like the themes of like, am I doing this right? I don't want to do this without this person. This person's going to be mad at me. I should have done this better. It should have been different somehow, even as we are deepening together into how absolutely perfect the whole thing really was. Yes. Oh, oh. so perfect. My- and there's so much more too. I'm like, <laughs> there's so much we don't have time to get into. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Yep. One of the women who was dearest to me in my life, she and I used to, well, we still do. We use the word perfect, capitalized, just the P, capitalized, to describe in the same way that um, in different people's religious discourses, they may capitalize God or he or him or Allah you know, you can go down the list, but there's a capital letter to indicate that this comes from God. Mm -hmm. And we started capitalizing the word perfect to describe something that was given to us in our lives, something we received, something we experienced that was absolutely meant to be. Mm. And it may have been messy, shocking, all, all of these other things, but it was it was meant to be. It is part of our story. And this experience for me was perfect with a capital P. 
Ugh. I wish we had like two more hours to talk right now. <laughs> I know. But that's okay because anybody who wants to know the rest of the story, such as um, I'm like, I want to tease that one of those birth photos went viral. Yep. About a year after this happened. Yeah, on the one year anniversary, right? Indeed, just after, uh-huh. yes. Mm-hmm. Two, year, the, two years that, ago today, if you will. <laughs> two years ago today. <laughs> Maybe next year on this date we'll record that episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it'll be called Don't Read the Comments. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also the title of a chapter in Francie's amazing, 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 amazing book. Go milk yourself. You have power. Express it. Yep. So, Francie, we'll link to all of the things and, you know, give people the places to buy and the, the places to follow you and all that. Yes. So we don't have to do that right now. Um, I want to end on asking you to put your hand on your heart and on your womb again. Oh, a couple deep breaths. <laughs> I have such a different perspective on my womb now. <laughs> <laughs> then when we started this conversation or then when this happened? All of the above. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, my understanding of my womb is continually evolving. Mm. So, Francie, as you feel into three years ago today and two years ago today approximately and everything that has unfolded since this miraculous experience I want you to allow yourself to really settle into whatever it is you're feeling right now and when you've landed to share with us in one word how you're feeling (laughs) I feel as if I've landed Mm. present indeed always and in all ways (laughs) oh boy you know how to make me giggle (laughs) and if you could go back to three years ago today and speak directly to yourself what would you say I would say <laughs> I would say I'm so glad to be you. Mm. I'm Ugh. so glad I get to be you. Wowzers. <laughs> Wowzers. Yeah, I'm like have such tears welling up in my eyes imagining my future self saying that to me. <sighs> And I'm sitting here looking at a truth bomb that I have above my desk, and it says, make space for your future. Mm -hmm. And then I have one right below that, and it says, now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Make space for your future now. Mm. Well, Francie, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. My last words to you have to be, go milk yourself. Yes, go milk yourself. <laughs> I made a I made a hand gesture with that when I did it. <laughs> I'm doing it now too then. <laughs> All right, I love you and I will talk to you Mwah. soon. I love you right back.